Welcome to Career Practitioner Conversations. This podcast is presented by the National Career Development Association. Hello, everyone. Thank you all for joining us today for the NCDA's podcast series. So I am your host for today, Dr. Natasha Barnes, and I am one of the co-chairs for the Diversity Initiatives and Cultural Inclusion Committee for the NCDA Association. So we want to thank you all for joining us, and we hope that this podcast gives you all a lot of information to assist a very special population with their career development issues. So I would like to welcome our very special guest, um, Sterling Cruz Hurd. Um, and Sterling comes to us with a an extensive background focusing on transgender career issues. So we are super excited to have this topic focused on because there are many times when uh, diversity issues tend to focus more so on race. And so we want to expand that and really give some dialogue around some of the other um, diverse populations that are experiencing career issues and how we can best assist this population in the work that we do. So again, welcome Sterling, and I will turn it over to you for you to introduce yourself, and then we'll get started. Thank you so much, Natasha. It's an honor to be here and to be in conversation with people who are helping to guide our young people uh, as they're making, uh, more young adults as they're making decisions about their career. Uh, my name is Sterling. My pronouns are they and them. I identify as uh, transgender and non-binary, which means that I don't identify as a woman or as a man. I'm somewhere in the middle. And so my pronouns reflect that. I have a company called TransClue, where I do training for organizations around trans inclusion issues, but I'm also super excited to have as part of my work, uh, coaching and leadership development for trans and non-binary folks, both nationally and globally. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for giving us that great introduction of yourself. And without further ado, we are going to get started with this great information. So the first question that I have for you is, based on your research and or personal experiences, what are some of the career issues that you've identified um, that have been experienced by transgender individuals? Well, I think the most important thing to start out with is the idea that this is not a small group of folks. We are experiencing a seismic demographic shift when it comes to gender identity. And the way that plays out in terms of the research, we know that 5% of youth under the age of 30, so that includes young adults, say that they are transgender and non-binary, and those numbers seem to be rising. We also know in California, there was a survey done by Pew Charitable and California youth ages 12 to 17, 27% said they identify as gender non-conforming. So I think that's the most important thing for your listeners to recognize is that we can think about, for instance, um, when uh, the, the digital revolution happened and those of us who uh, are not native to those changes, we've had to be mindful of how to keep up 
And it's the same case for older people who are counseling, who are managing trans and non-binary people is the world is changing. And if you want to remain potent and relevant in your work, you've really got to get a clue as to what's going on with this population. So in terms of what are the issues um, that that this population faces, I want to say it from both a a positive perspective and um, in terms of the challenges. So a lot of people look at the statistics and we know that um, there are a lot of challenges. Um, We know that developmentally, trans youth are four times more likely to attempt suicide and 45% say that they have considered suicide in the last year. So really dire statistics in terms of what's going on. And and I think a lot of people think, oh, we've got Laverne Cox on the cover of Time magazine. We've got Elliot Page. The world is so safe and wonderful for trans people. But what we know, even over the last two years, is that there is a significant backlash against the rights of trans people. And so um, the, the, you know, the one side of it is there are a lot of challenges. It's also important to think about from an intersectional perspective. So not all trans people are the same, right? There's white trans people and there's people of color. They're going to be experiencing, um, people of color are going to be experiencing compounding levels of uh, discrimination and oppression. There's also trans feminine and trans masculine. And so when you've got a, a trans feminine person, they're also experiencing misogyny in the workplace. And so you can compound that if it's a trans woman of color. So there are significant challenges. We know that uh, from the 2015 U.S. Transgender Survey, which is the largest survey of its type, we've got the new numbers coming out in 2023, that 30% of people who had a job in the last in the year before the survey was reported 30 percent said they had experienced discrimination on the job so we've got intense challenges at just a high level in the workplace and as young people are considering their careers i actually i want to just say i didn't say the positive part which is people who are marginalized in the workplace often have the ability to see it in new and fresh ways, right? A person of color can see, wow, that system doesn't work for everybody. Uh, Someone who's assigned female at birth can say, yeah, I can see how that doesn't work. Um, Same with trans people. And it's maybe an interesting additional piece is that we experience the shift in our understanding, right? My friend Jill calls it being a gender knot. So I go from being assigned female at birth and going through the workplace many, many years and then seeing how that that uh, experience shifts when I'm identified as male. So if you're thinking about leadership and development, if you're thinking about innovation, trans people bring real potential in terms of being able to see outside the box. That was a great for us to have an understanding of some of the workplace experiences and not only looking at it from the cost, um, but also looking at how there's benefit in having transgender individuals in the workforce. So now just kind of piggybacking off of that question, you talked a little bit about development. 
So from a developmental perspective, how might career development and planning look different for transgender youth and adults? Because as we know, um, youth have different experiences. Their career development kind of centers around a school um, and maybe going into the workforce some, um, but adults and, and youth obviously are having different career development because of the stage that they're in. So how is this impacted more so or how what is the perspective on it from youth to the adults? Well, I think one of the first things is about expectations. So as trans people were taught not to expect as much, not to ask for as much. And people could argue with that. I, I, I shouldn't say that as like a, a broad stroke, but I do think that um, the challenges we experience in terms of acceptance means we're not expecting to be treated in the same way necessarily as cisgender people or people who do not identify as transgender, just as people of color understand the realities. And, and hopefully there's a lot of pushback to say, I expect this, I should expect this as a woman, as a person of color, as a trans person. But often, unless there's that explicit pushback, you deserve as much as everybody else and more we don't necessarily have that. So I think from a developmental perspective, thinking about the role that you have to play um, in encouraging young people to consider their possibilities. And as I talked about suicidal ideation, the fact is many trans youth don't think they're gonna live. People that I have counseled in the workplace who say, um, you know, I thought I'd be dead by 18. So here I am now, 23, 24 years old. I'm doing well in my career, but I don't have any plan for myself. Just like people who um, contracted AIDS and then we had um, drug regimens that were developed that let them keep, well, what do I do? I thought I was going to be dead. So there's really something about setting expectations and encouraging people. And I have to do it myself. I have a lot of internalized transphobia. I speak from, you know, maybe as someone who's an elder that I expected less, um, young people are expecting more. And that's fantastic. Uh, I think that um, also being aware that um You've got to think about what are industries that are taking steps to be more affirming. So if I go into the creative sector, for instance, um, are there going to be more people who are identifying outside the box um, versus I have a friend who's a, 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 an employment discrimination attorney for trans people, and she talks about being on the assembly line uh, in a factory. And thinking about how that may not be a situation in which people are as interested in being welcoming. So you do have to help people think about, are there explicit indications that this industry or this company, this field is thinking about being trans inclusive? You have to think about the location. So right now we've got these laws in certain states where you can't even um, be assured that you will be protected. Uh, so I think that from a developmental perspective, those are some of the issues that I'd raise. Absolutely. that That's great information. Um, the expectation part really stands out um, when it stood out for me when you said it, like it was just like, wow, um, because you don't really think about that as you're working with uh, 
anybody really, but with transgender individuals specifically, that they may expect less. And so looking at the fact that in a classroom, a youth may expect less, then what does that look like for them as an adult, you know, in the workplace? Will they advocate for themselves? Will, you know, or will they accept the bare minimum? Also that suicide piece, like as you were saying, like some of them didn't even think they would be alive. Um, and so from a youth perspective, if I don't think I'm going to be alive, why well, make plans? And like you said, from an adult perspective, I didn't expect to be alive, so I have no plans. So I think that's great information for career specialists, career counselors, um, anybody that's working in this area to have that information because it's so necessary when working with this population. So thank you so much for giving us that. So we've talked a little bit about some of the experiences, the costs that are associated with uh, career issues and the transgender population. So now I want to kind of segue into, all right, we know the issues. Now, how can we help these individuals cope with some of the things that they'll experience as they're in school, uh, going through their career development, or as they enter into the workforce and they're uh, continuing to develop, to develop and experience different things? Well, I think one important possibility is affinity. So we have affinity groups in companies um, where you've got women, um, people assigned female at birth coming together to be, um, or trans women coming together to support one another and to identify the specific challenges. You've got people of color who say, you know, only another person of color can get these challenges. So I do think wherever possible, it's important to think about um, affinity groups and developing safe spaces for trans and gender non-conforming people to get together and talk about specific challenges. I also think mentoring is a, a significant opportunity. I um, just released a series in uh, Them, which is a Conde Nast publication, which is interviews with trans elders. And we talked about some of the challenges of mentoring in the queer community. There are real chasms because older um, LGBT people don't necessarily understand the language any more than straight cisgender people do. Um, many of these um, people I'm referring to are cisgender. And so there's this there can be this distance. But the fact is, we need mentors. We need someone who can be that guide who really understands. And if there isn't uh, the possibility of mentorship, if you um, don't have someone who's trans or gender non Forming, but you are someone that uh, may want to mentor someone or guide them as their counselor. I think humility is really, really key. And making sure that you educate yourself. I've been on a really very vigorous um, uh, work to unlearn racism as a white person. Uh, that's not a three-day workshop. That is um, every movie I can watch, every article I can read, every conversation I can have. And again, I go back to this idea that because of this seismic demographic shift, if you're not doing this work, you're losing your potential and your power as a counselor and as a leader in the workplace. And to um, immerse yourself in movies, in books and articles. And then when you have the privilege of being in relationship with people who have marginalized identities that you don't share being very careful about when I have my, I'm in a relationship with a person of color who's willing to share honestly with me, honestly with me about their experience in the workplace. I consider that a real gift that they don't have to give me because it is stressful. 
Um, it oftentimes is stressful, just like it's stressful for me to, unless I'm getting paid, to try and share that experience with people. So I think humility is a real key and uh, also the desire to educate oneself. Awesome. Um, definitely great coping strategies um, and education for individuals who may not be a part of the population, but want to be um, allies to the population and want to uh, join in and do what they can to assist the population in um, managing these career shifts and issues that they may face. Mentorship, I think, is a great thing. Having people that understand your experience, I, I mean, having different levels in my life and different stages I've been in, mentorship has grown to be one of the most important things for me. And so I think it's great across the board um, to have people that understand your experience because you're absolutely right. If you're not a part of these different cultural groups, you may um, understand from a certain point but you can't truly get the gist of what individuals are feeling who are impacted by these issues on a daily basis. So I appreciate you discussing that mentorship piece and being humble when dealing with different cultural backgrounds because we don't know everything. And so when people are willing to share their experiences, it definitely is a a, a blessing and a pleasure for us to be um, in their space. And so I think that's great. And then uh, you talked about the support finding those affinity groups and having that support. I think those are, that's right on target because when you have these uh, adverse experiences, having the support to say, we're here for you, we get it. You can talk about it with us. will definitely lessen the blow of a lot of the things that are encountered. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. So we'll move into our next question, which is, um, you talked about being, a consultant and a pusher, I guess I would want to say, of leadership when it comes to uh, working with this population. So our final question is, when working with leadership who may employ transgender individuals, what are some leadership development strategies that could be beneficial? Well, um, we talked about the individual growth that um, people who want to do this work, um, humility, um, education, but we also need to think about systems. And so it doesn't matter if I'm you know, really trying to be good. We've got to have the systems that organizationally support people. And so if there's good work being done around racial equity, you talked about that being the focus of, of the work that your committee has been doing you know, and continues to expand. How do you align that? How do you create synergy and momentum with trans inclusion? So an example would be when we're trying to recruit, how are we thinking about adding that piece on? When we're thinking about our personnel policies, um, how do we think about, for instance, policies that say we're going to be including uh, when I interview people, I'm going to be using my pronouns. Um, how do we think about um, when we do a Black history celebration and we make sure that we have speakers throughout the year that are representatives, not just in a certain month? How do we do the same thing with trans and gender nonconforming people? How do we elevate the leadership of those who are showing up and who are able to maintain the type of resilience needed to operate effectively in a world that really wasn't built for us and in this moment in time is actively pushing back against us. And I just say that if we had done this podcast interview even six months ago, uh, it wouldn't have been um, at a time when it seems like diversity and equity initiatives are collapsing 
collapsing. The resources are all being pulled out of them as the right effectively argues that this is creating dissension. Um, it's undermining family values or um, somehow undermining the workplace. So what I'm saying is the same as I would say six months ago in terms of developing those policies. But what we're recognizing is the resistance to that work is becoming much more organized, much stronger. So we're in a, a, a very terrifying time for trans people. Um, the violence, the policies, the health supports that are being pulled out from under us, the legal rights, um, all of that. So it's a it's a time when we need allies and leadership more than ever because it is um, it is such a, a treacherous time right now. Absolutely. I, I can 100 percent agree with you um, as it relates to leaders needing to be um, on that front line, um, looking for ways that they can be more inclusive as they are hiring, as they are promoting um, in the workplace. So um, unfortunately, we are living in times where uh, DEI efforts are definitely getting a major pushback. And so I think it's so important. Uh, you talked about six months ago, this podcast could have looked differently or, you know, would have included maybe some different information. But I think it's so awesome that we're doing this podcast now because I think it's important that we advocate. And so this is a way that we can advocate um, and push back in some sort, in some sort, um, against these uh, policies and procedures that are being put in place to really, um, for lack of a better word, harm certain populations or to um, push them out um, of the inclusive space that we are trying to create. And so I appreciate you sharing experiences and knowledge around how we can better support the transgender and non-conforming population in the career development space, because we've got work to do. Um, and we've got some people that are making this work difficult for us or trying to make it more difficult for us. So I appreciate you being willing to share your time and space with not only myself, but with the audience for NCDA to really give us some insight into how we can look past um, some of the spaces that we're always talking about to really dig into a lot of the neurodivergent areas that um People are experiencing career issues because, like you said, the intersectionality is is there. It's happening. Not only um, are individuals having to face issues in the workforce because of their um, gender preference or their gender identity, I should say, um, but they're also experiencing issues because of those intersectionality spaces with, that are compounding those experiences. So. I am so appreciative. I want to give you space to give us any last words that you would like to share with us. I just want to say I'm thinking about the people who are listening and thinking about how you're on the front lines and um, uh, trans and gender non-conforming people uh, were rare and precious. And I just uh, encourage you to offer your best. Absolutely. Thank you again for joining us for this podcast. And I hope our listeners will uh, glean from this a lot of great wisdom to increase their expertise in working with this population. So thank you again. All right. You have a wonderful day. Thank you so you much too. for working. Thank you.